0: We're recording. All right, yes, sir. welcome everyone to the Rink Wrap Podcast. Joined today by Kevin Papetti. You've probably seen him on Twitter. You've probably seen him pick out some random afterthought NHL player and say, "Hey, maybe the Leafs should trade for this guy," and then they proceed to do so. Uh, I'm specifically talking about Ilya Labushkin. That was a complete snipe <laughs> by you, Kevin. How are you doing today?
1: Doing well. Yeah, hopefully uh, it's going to be an exciting off season. I mean, obviously a new general manager already, but. We'll see if that continues because right now I have no idea what they're going to do. Like they could do anything. I obviously followed Calgary a little bit, but, you know, it just feels like they are now at the new general manager, anything could happen. So it should be exciting. should be good for these podcasts. Yeah, for sure.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Every week you could probably guess doing something or another. We don't know what he's going to do because like in Calgary, how many free agents really were dying to breaking down the door to go to Calgary versus now he's in Toronto who knows how he spends that money. Hopefully it's yeah. not on Kerfoot hole.
2: <laughs> I, I have that. a feeling it won't be, but on top of that, we almost had to like a, we spent so much time with Dubas. I'd say we spent so much time, but like, you know, we, he was in the organization for so long. We kind of had a read for the players that he likes and like didn't like. So it was, it was easier. I found to like make those reads, but now it's trelevin It's almost like anything goes. So it's it's going to be an interesting off season, but um, yeah, I don't know. You want to just get right into this thing then?
0: For sure. For sure. Uh, so, let's get it right into it. Um, there's obviously a bit of a crowded crease in Toronto. We saw two goalies start, and neither of them were named Matt Murray. But we have three goalies under team control for next year. Kevin, what do you think about what the Leafs are going to do, what direction they take with this goalie carousel they've got going on?
1: Yeah, I think Murray's the obvious guy to go just because, you know, Samsonov, even though though he's an RFA, it would be surprising. Even if they move Samsonov, it would be surprising if they went in with Murray Wall. Like I think, if they moved him, they would just go get another starter. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think one way or another, one of Joseph Wall or or Matt Murray's going. You know, for the right offer, I guess you'd consider you'd consider trades for Wall. I think I guess you say that for any player, but Mm -hmm. you know he does he does fit for rebuilding teams and contending teams with the cap hit. But I think Murray's really the obvious one. One year left. Mm Clear up some cap space, use it for either defenseman or, or forward, and go from there. I mean, I think the league save percentage I think was 8.99 this year, so I think there's going to be a bit of a market for Murray. Maybe not at his current cap hit, but I do think mm-hmm. that there'll be a team that takes him. Maybe if you retain a little bit, maybe if you ret- if you throw in a little bit of an asset. But I, I think Wall with his cap hit, the difference between Wall and Murray is about four million almost, and I think they'll mm-hmm. want to use that four million elsewhere. That's, that's my guess. I mean, yeah. right right after yeah. for a wall, who knows? But
2: absolutely. And like is there an is there a uh an amount that you'd be willing to part ways with, like draft pick wise or uh prospect wise, to move Murray? And if so, like do you have like that number in your head or like what, what would like you said you mentioned retaining? Um, what would be like the picks that you would move if it were to be a retainer? Do you think we'd be able to just push him out, maybe retain, I don't know, let's say thirty percent of his current deal? And you think a team would just take that on for, for nothing, like for future considerations? Like what are your What's your angle on that?
1: Yeah, I think about a million, maybe a little bit more than a million retaining. That should be enough to get rid of them. Um, yeah. You know, Morassic had two years left last offseason. Mm-hmm. And they moved to him. So with Murray, I don't have like a, I think there's just so many teams that need goaltending. Like Columbus was terrible. The Sharks were terrible. He does have a 10 team, no trade. And when you're a goalie, I think that can actually be like a 20 team, no trade. Like you kind of know 10 teams that aren't going to trade for you. They just don't need mm-hmm. goaltending. Yeah. So it might be tough that way, I guess worst case buyout, but I'd much rather them take the hit in year one because year two, they have so many raises due. They have Matthews, Nylander, whether he's back, whether they're replacing that person's going to need a raise. Lilligren is going to need a raise. Then you have even small guy like TJ Brody, Bobby McMahon, Nick Robertson. Go down the list. There's a lot of raises coming the next year. The cap's going to go up, but I do think this is the year where you have some cap flexibility and would rather take a little bit of a hit this year rather than 2 million next year. Cause I think if he even took 1.5, I think you'd get rid of him. Uh, yeah. That's my guess, but fair enough. It seems <laughs> we'll see like we're, we're all, see where it goes.
2: Yeah. We're, we're all in a green here. We're probably going to move Murray if other, other goalies to get moved. And if that's the case, that means we're likely signing Samsonov and extending him on that RFA deal. Do you, either of you guys have like a number that you would hit for Samsonov Like, Again, we don't know. Arbitration is like this big, scary ghost. I never know what it's going to be. Like, we don't know what the numbers going to be. It's so tough with goalies too, because it doesn't feel like there's that much of a track record for goalies. So Kevin, I'll start with you. Do you have like a specific number and term that you would want to see the Leafs sign off for?
1: It's going to be like, I think it all comes down to term in terms of the AAV. Like if, if you want to go short term, you go to arbitration, you'll probably get a bit lower, but just get mm-hmm. less years locked in. Yeah. I don't want to go too aggressive on any goalie really. I'd be too nervous, but Billy Huso strikes me as a comparable cuz he had a very similar save percentage, mm. very similar game's played the year he extended. He was 3 by 4.75. So, yeah. I think it's going to be more than 4 million unless you're going yeah. one year maybe. Um, you know, 3 with the cap going up, maybe it's 3 by 5. Uh, I think it's going to be at least 4.5 unless it's one year. Um, so, yeah. you know, whether it's 4.8 or 4.7, that'd be my guess as a comparable. But if you do go long-term, you might be go- in the fives. If you go short-term, you might be a little bit less if, if you go through art, But it, it depends when you want him to hit pre-agency, really. That's true.
0: Enough. And, I mean, like when you look at comparables, I didn't have any before. Now you bring up Ville Uso is actually a great one there. Um, I know he was just cap dumped, but Cal Peterson, when he signed his contract at that time, that was a decent comparable in terms of not two seasons of not the biggest sample size, but some decent results here and there, and then just the wheels fell off the wagon. Another one I was thinking of was uh, Samsonov's former teammate Vitek VTek Vanacek. Obviously, a little bit what he would get a little bit more than what Vanacek got, which I think Vanacek was in the threes by uh, by three year there. So that's another one to consider. But I, I yeah, the cap going up does I think will inch it up there in terms of the 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 mid force. Um I if you keep the term short and you have Joseph Wools the other goalie, I think that's totally totally manageable though. Like think about it, like four and a half, and then Joseph Wool makes seven seventy. That's five point three or five point two five, whatever between two goalies. That's not bad at
1: all, right? Yeah, it depends what you think of really both goalies. Like if mm-hmm. you think Joseph Wall is the next big thing, then I think you want to go short term on mm-hmm. Samsonov. But if you think mm-hmm. Samsonov can repeat, like that was probably a 6 plus million dollar season he just had. No. Other than the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, maybe there's value in locking him up. I'm I'm with goalies I'm typically saying short term like 3 years or less, but maybe 4 to take also, a discount, yeah. but I don't want to go. You also don't time. have the
0: best sample size with them. Right. Too. So like in terms of good solid starter level play. So that is something to take in consideration there. I'm unfortunately very high on Joseph wall. And I say, unfortunately, because you know, it all could come crashing in, but I am always reassured Mike McKenna, his Joseph Wool's former goalie mm-hmm. coach. And um, I believe he's on uh Daily Face Off. He's very, very high on Joseph Wall too. So, yeah, that keeps me sane a little bit there. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I mean, what if what if they just like go rogue and like take away two of the goalies and and bring in a, another guy and tandem him with one of the guys was, we have? That would be.
2: Yeah, I was just about to ask that question for you guys. There's like so many trade rumors surrounding Carter Hart, right? And, like, do you guys – do either of you guys see, like, a path where potentially Murray and uh, Samsonov get mm-hmm. dealt and at least bring in Carter Hart? Kevin?
1: I could see it for sure. Like, if you think Hart's the better goalie, then, you know, I think Samsonov's trade value would be somewhat close to Carter Hart's. Mm-hmm. Maybe not fully there, but Samsonov's coming off a strong season. He's young, mm-hmm. he's controllable. If you did think he's if – you, if you're if you very high on Carter Hart and maybe not you think Samsonov is a fluke, then who knows? Uh, obviously, like, the more trades we're predicting here, the less likely. So I think the most likely <laughs> option is is Wall-Samsonov would be most likely. But yeah. it wouldn't shock me at all if if they decided to kind of sell high on Samsonov if they weren't fully convinced and, and go in mm-hmm. a different direction. So I, I just don't think it's going to be Murray-Wall, basically. I, I think – if Samsonov does leave, I think they'll bring in another another goalie.
0: Yeah, pretty Fair. pretty good bet right there, I would say. So that's the goalie situation: three under control, two under contract. You're probably only going to want two of them. Who do you want? I mean, obviously the younger goalie on a 700k contract. So those are that's the predicament there. I, I think, I mean, it's a big question mark to see what happens, who gets what, who gets dealt where, what they do with Matt Murray. But I think it's like a pretty simple kind of end goal in that one of them is going to be leaving most likely, and they're going to run back two of them. Pretty yeah, fair,
2: sense.
1: Yeah. I don't think the three goalie thing can, I know it worked in Carolina, but yeah. just the amount you save from Murray tra- mm-hmm. trading him, it, it just makes sense to go go to use that cash base elsewhere.
2: Yeah. yeah
0: sure. I mean, that is a good point. And like, it did kind of work, but, but like it was an emergency basis. They did bring Kachakov up and down. Um, I know that the agents of the goalies would be absolutely fuming if they went three goalies, unless like someone came into camp injured because goalies do not like having to go through th- like three cycles in order to, to get a start. So Yeah. I think it'll it'll be two of them. Let's move on to the defense here. Um, An interesting predicament, I would say, simply because you got a good amount of defensemen locked up, but is that really the mix that you want to go into the season with? Kevin, what are your thoughts?
1: I think Brody, Riley, McCabe will likely – be in the top four and then I'm assuming Lilligren's back unless there's some sort of great offer like if you can get a high-end center or something or another really high-end right defenseman. Uh, I expect Giordano back on the left so that's basically your left side set and then they could really use just one stud right shot defenseman. I don't know if that player is out there and available. I think for years we kind of saw that where the least could use a high-end right shot defenseman never got one. It's kind of the same situation, so I don't know if they're going to go kind of like on, in the second tier, like a borderline top four guy, but they could definitely use someone there. They could definitely use a, a long-term solution for Brody if, if he doesn't return up the following year, if, if, if he starts to age and isn't quite his self. Um, so I, I think I, an ideal world it's a young stud right shot defenseman that they bring in. But again, I don't know if that player exists. I don't know if that player's available for the right price. So it might be more. to mean, we had
0: TJ Berry. We had uh, Tyson Berry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's available.
1: I bet you get him. They got a lot of right shot defensemen right now, Nashville. But and and obviously, like a, a defensive defenseman to pair with mm-hmm. Riley would be ideal. Like they don't really need an offensive guy on the right side, as we learned with Barry. I think it's like I don't think a Klingberg kind of makes sense. I think they got to go no. shut down. Yeah, we the
2: like you said. We've seen that mix before with Tyson Berry. It just did not work. Um, but yeah, looking like looking at the players that would get moved, in my opinion, from the team, I signaled out Timothy Lilgren, T- Connor Timmons, or T.J. Brody. Just not that they will get moved, but like I see them as guys who could potentially like Brad Trelevin could come in as a fresh set of eyes and say like I don't really like these guys. I would move them out, and more so T.J. Brody just would be. The because he's signed for one year and we don't know if he's going to resign, plus the age factor that you mentioned. So I don't know if you could maybe get a first for TJ Brody, that might be worth it for me. Um, but I also love TJ's Brody's, Brody's play. And on top of that, how do you replace TJ Brody? Right. Like we it's easy to say we're gonna trade mm-hmm. these guys, but the other player like that we would get back or the other player that we want to bring in just doesn't really exist. So that kind of brings me to like the current pending UFAs. You mentioned a strong defensive defenseman to play with Morgan Riley. Is that Luke Shen for you? Do you think Luke Shen would be brought back by Brad Treliving? Or on top of that, do you see like Eric Gustafson or Justin Hall being brought back on the team? Of the pending UFAs, I think it's probably fair to say Shen is the most likely. But do you think we'll sign any of them, if at all?
1: I think Shen's the one. I don't think Gustafson's coming back. Um, just because they have the three on the left side. He only mm-hmm. played in two playoff games. So I just think as a player, if you're only getting that little, like he'll he'll want more opportunity elsewhere. Um, I, I think with Shen, the the question is really, you know, is he taking a discount or is he going to get every dollar? Because after that playoff run, I wouldn't be surprised if he got yeah. two, three years. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was over two or even mm-hmm. two and a half. Like, well, so, yeah. is it like the cheap Luke Shen, where if he, if he doesn't perform, you can move him as a seventh defenseman? Or is he getting paid like number five money, right? So, I think that's the big question. And then with Shen, because you have right now five of your, of your top six kind of locked, um, you know, if you bring back Shen, I don't... So it would be probably very similar pairings to what they were in, in the playoffs. McCabe, Brody, Riley Shen, Giordano, Lilligren. I don't know if that's elite. I think it'd be fine. But in an ideal world, you're kind of getting a younger player who's almost like more of a sure thing than Luke Shen, I, I, I think. <laughs> We saw a little bit of Shen, but I don't know if I trust him to repeat that or not. I take him back for the right price. It's just, I do wonder if Shen's back, if, if maybe you look at moving Lilligren for, like, the center version of Lilligren or, or a forward version of Lilligren because they, or even upgrading at right shot defense um, by moving Lilligren because I don't know if that's strong enough. I think it's maybe worth a shot. You see if Lilligren can take a top four role. You see if Luke Shen can repeat it, but I don't, I, I think Timmins could go. Um because he might just be like a, a guy Dubis liked I could see him even go mm-hmm. to Pittsburgh I don't think he'd command much but um, I don't think Brody's going just because I thought he was the best defenseman this year at least in the regular season uh, mm-hmm. I think they need two of him and his contracts backloaded so um, mm-hmm. it's a pretty big uh, I think it's like seven or eight um, in the last year so it's mm-hmm. I- I'm Pretty confident he'll be back. It's just I don't know if that player exists. The like I'd like like a Noah Dobson or something, but unless you're moving a big piece, it's going to yeah. be tough to get that player.
0: Yeah, it's seven and a half million for this year, so I don't really think. Uh, yeah, but I mean during the regular season, you're you're 100 correct. I think people kind of have that narrow-mindedness where it's like, yeah, the last game of the playoffs, the last two games of the playoffs, three games of the playoffs, actually the Tampa series too, he stunk, like he wasn't very good. He wasn't able to move the puck. He also looked like the tin can man and looked like all of his ribs were broken. So that's what I'm holding on to. I still think he's going to return to at least 90% of what we saw from him last year, which I'll take that. That's pretty good. Is it a number one defenseman? No, I wouldn't say so. Um, but yeah it's an interesting mix especially on the right side like I like Connor Timmons I really, really like some of the stuff that he we saw in a small sample size there but you're really gambling if you're going Timmons and then Timothy Lilgren as your uh two and three right side guys there so what would the move be I mean uh, I, I was really hoping that it would kind of convince myself, like, brainwash myself from watching Timothy Lillegren at the World Championships and be like, man, this guy with that confidence, that uh, just that slightly below uh, competition level, he looked like a, a new defenseman out there, and I still saw some old bad habits, and I'm like, for for f- 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 sakes, damn it, Timothy. But, yeah, it's a uh, it feels awkward, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. I think with Lillegren, it's gonna be like, are the, tra- are the training wheels coming off this year? Because... If he's not, if he's going to be a healthy scratch in the playoffs, I think you move him and you, and you upgrade because he's got some trade value. Um, Absolutely. But if you're ready to kind of Absolutely. take, like, see what he can do the regular season, see if he can kind of take a bigger step. I mean, they need guys on the right side long term. So, I mean, he's kind of exactly what they need. Um, And I don't think Timmons will be the sixth, though. I think Timmons will, will be the seven if he starts the year. I think they'll at least get someone to. They got some cap space this offseason, so I think they're going to at least spend a little bit on the back end. It's just, can you get a guy for maybe one year, or can you get a, a, a guy good enough that he's worth it in future years? Um, it, it's, it's so tough for a very shot defenseman just because they're, they're such a valuable commodity that you don't know what it's going to cost if you're going to have to overpay. I think the Brody deal, getting him for $5 million was was a steal. Yeah. All, yeah.
2: And so is there anyone that you would target at, Um, right D in free agency or could you see like potentially Jake McCabe shifting over and us targeting a lefty maybe um, for at least this year? Uh, Anyone that you can point out in free agency or?
1: I find like with free agent defensemen, it's just, such a crapshoot in terms of mm-hmm. what they get. Like we saw with Good Branson last year, we've seen with like <laughs> but D, what the Flyers paid for D'Angelo. Like it can be anything, it seems. Like at least with forwards, yeah. the points kind of dictate their price. With defensemen, it's all over. Like Carson Susie is a left shot defenseman, but he played with Giordano in Seattle. Like he kind of makes sense to me. I just don't know. I think he'll probably get too much money. I think most guys will probably get too much money. Um, I, I kind of wonder if the Flames would move someone because they have, like, Weger shoots right, Tanev, Anderson. Would they... Like, obviously, cheerleading coming from there. Would, would they move someone? Mm-hmm. I, I, it, it's so hard to find right-shot right defensemen. Like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think in free agency, Severson such a such a... I haven't seen him enough lately to kind of get a read on him, but he's controversial for sure. Some people just can't stand him. I, I've never been a big Dumba fan. Like, a guy like Mayfield could make sense. But, again, like, any of these guys, I could see just getting a, a crazy contract. So I, I think you almost have to value shop. A guy I like is Dobson, but I just don't think he's going to be available. So uh, it, it's, it's a bit of a... Right shot D is always a, a bit of a mess and a bit unpredictable in terms of what they go for.
0: Yeah. And, I, I mean, you have a new GM this year. Like, how does he value what you have right now? I mean, like... We it, tree living could come in and be the number one Timothy Lilgren fan, and we could see him playing 22 minutes a night right off the bat, or we could see Timothy Lilgren out before the end of August on a new team. Like that's where also we have to kind of take that into consideration. How does the new GM view the team or val or value what the current team has? Right. So again, this is it's another tricky one. Like this is a, you have kind of an idea of what the Leafs need to do this off season, but it's like when you dig into it, it's like, mm, well, Hmm. I don't mm, Oh, Ooh. Because like, when you look at it, how many forwards are under contract or how many players are under contract for next season? Right. So the big off season, damn.
1: <laughs> are, the of the players, def- so. Like they need a top four guy too. I think they have the the bottom, like, I think, Billigren and Timmons can definitely compete for the third pairing role, but mm-hmm. they kind of need someone to come out and play with Riley. The other player, I think, is Connor Murphy. I just the Bedard thing kind of complicates it. He's mm-hmm. got like if kind of like a McCabe deal where it's like a little bit of retention for three years would kind of make sense. But with Bedard, I don't know if they they're changing their plans, if they want to be a little bit better um a little bit sooner. And I don't know if I don't know how much they'd be willing to retain on Murphy because I don't know if I really want him at the full price. Uh, at least no. I wouldn't give up much for him at that price. So mm-hmm. all, all over the map on right shot defenseman, but I do think they need some on the right side. I know McCabe's played the left. I guess that be- I've seen him play the right. Mm-hmm. I just I don't know if I'd go in with that with all that much confidence. I guess.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, especially in like a big opportunity too. Like that would that would have to be a day one training camp kind of thing that you really stick to for a good sample size too until he's comfortable and it's not going to look good for a while. But is that the path you really want to go? Uh, is that going to maximize his value? You know, it's a uh, it's a big humming and hotter. That's all <laughs> that's all I can say on that one. But yeah, in in terms of free agents, I'm trying to think like would be available? You mentioned Scott Mayfield. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Scott Mayfield. I I just find he can't move the puck that well. Like he's just a he's a big. He'd be great for playing for the Florida Panthers in the second and third round, where just cross check the hell out of everyone in front of the net. But during the regular season, I think that gets called all day, right? <laughs> so.
1: goodness is available. Then I mean, you mentioned it. <laughs> yeah. I that could at least somewhat see it. Like Zadorov is another one because Zadorov's just on a one year deal, but um, he's got, he's kind of high. He's close to $4 million, but just one year yeah. and they kind of have the space for a year.
2: Why not? Mm. They, like if you're going to do it, this it's is the just... year to take a stab at one of those guys, right? So, yeah, um... Michael Stone.
1: <laughs> it wouldn't shock, like the <laughs> amount of times he's been there. I shopping to the seven at of Timmons or something. Like that. Yeah. What's
0: it now? Like four contracts with, with Tree Living now?
1: Crazy. Yeah, if it's if it happens again, we're gonna have to look into it because <laughs> so, um, it's a little bit weird at this point. Yeah. Um,
2: exactly. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna push us along here from the defenseman and move us over to the forwards. And I mean, we can't mention the forwards without the elephant in the room. Obviously, the priority for the offseason is to extend number eighty eight and extend number thirty four. You want to extend Austin Matthews, you want to extend William Nylander. and you want to keep them around for as long as possible, but With that out of the way, assuming that we're able to do that, because if we're not able to do that, that just opens uh, opens up a whole can of worms. Let's just operate today under the assumption that those deals are going to get done. Um, I think there's a couple question marks on our roster. Even though we only have six forwards signed right now, there's a couple question marks on where guys will play. And the first one being uh, with Matthew Nyes. We obviously saw him put together a fantastic campaign in the playoffs. Looked great. He looked like he fit. And including those three games in the regular season, he looks like he's going to be a regular NHLer. But do you expect him? to be a regular NHLer and for fun, I, I didn't put this on the sheet. So I'm going to put you on the spot here, but what's your over under on the amount of games that he'll play. If you were to set the over under for that.
1: Like, Probably 70. 70? Probably yeah. 70. That's what I was yeah. thinking too. Yeah. I think it'll be full NHLer. It's just, mm-hmm. you're, you're almost debating like injuries and. Yeah. Injury clause, comes yeah.
2: yeah. We'll put an injury clause on it, but.
1: 70. I think the more,
2: yeah. I think the more interesting
0: over under in terms of games is going to be Nick Robertson.
2: That's the like one I was injuries. getting to
0: next. Yeah. Injuries. And in what does the current front office value in him? Is he going to be a day oneer? like, that'll be an interesting one. What do you think about that one?
1: I think it's tough to trade him now just because his trade value is probably at a all time low. I would, I would make him a day oneer and then mm-hmm. just see what, see what he does with the opportunity. Like, even if you don't like him, maybe you can pump his value up before you move him. And then, you know, who knows? Maybe he impresses. Maybe he, like he can definitely shoot the puck if he's in the yeah. right – if you set him up, he's going to take advantage. Um, so, I think just – I have lower expectations for him. Like, just hopefully he can stay healthy. I think that's goal one. Mm-hmm. Over-under on games, 50 maybe because, uh, you know, he's he struggled to stay healthy and – who knows? Like I could actually see him being a healthy scratch at times, whereas mm-hmm. I think nice is nice is now at the, at the point where I'd be pretty surprised if he was a healthy scratch more than once or twice just to learn a lesson. I think I think they'll want to get him reps, and then Robertson is more of a a trial type of player. Still, don't know if he was amazing when he was in the lineup, and obviously he's had a hard time staying in the lineup.
2: Yeah. yeah, so I guess Nye's expectation. You think he'd start out as like a middle six four? You think he's gonna just be vaulted to the top line right away? What are your thoughts on him? And then Robertson, you said you mentioned you you want him to start on the roster. Is that in like a fourth line role, or where, where where's like the the spots you put those two rookies in? I guess Robertson's not a rookie anywhere, but young guys in.
1: Yeah, I think Nye's will be top six would be my guess to start um, with Yarncrook. But again, like without knowing what else they do, it's tough. But without knowing the centers, I think is the hardest. Yeah. Um, Robertson or Nines, I don't think would be ideal to like face top competition. I think uh, slightly sheltered, slightly more offensive zone starts. So maybe Robertson's the like depending on who their centers are. Like I don't think he'll be on the heavy defensive zone start line to start, but Robertson on the power play is is, is pretty dangerous for sure. I think you get him a playmaker. I mean, we'll see what we'll see what the wingers are. We'll see if Martyr and Nylander are both back, and then kind of go from there. I wouldn't mind starting them higher up in the lineups, giving them a chance, seeing what they can do. And then if one of them's not working out, maybe you move Kelly Young or something back up. Um, mm-hmm. but you know who knows? Like we'll see what the what the roster looks at, like, who the centers are, and I guess go from there once once they have that. It's it's just so unpredictable right now with the lack of centers. Yeah, it's true. Also, right? yeah, yeah the
0: ahead. old old reliables are are most likely not going to be around anymore. Like we don't know we're not there's a good chance right now we don't see Kerfoot and Tavares, Nylander, and there's a good chance we don't see Justin Hall back in the top four. So, lot of, lot of interesting moving parts going into next season. Definitely, um, in terms of Robinson, I, I I do agree. Like the shot is fantastic. We unfortunately haven't seen a crazy development in certain other parts of the games in terms of like board battles and um, physicality is obviously. Uh, Uh, a disadvantage to him. I mean, being only five, nine, probably a buck 60 for, for being honest there, but there definitely is qualities that can make him a dangerous offensive player. So why not give him good opportunities? As you said, early on in the season.
2: Absolutely. Um, And if he can even be like 75% of his brother without the size, like that is a clear cut (laughs) NHL, NHL player, like, or 50% even still, like that's still a guy who can can produce at the NHL yeah. level. 75%
0: uh, of a hundred points. Yeah, okay. I, I realized that, but you know, you
2: know what I was getting at there. Um, uh, that's not bad. I'll take the pressure. <laughs> uh, moving on from there. Uh, kind of the last roster question again, with only six forwards signed is it's kind of like maybe the, been the elephant in the room since Keith gave that quote, I think it was maybe two thirds of the way through the season, talking about Johnson, John Tavares and shifting him to the wing. So Kevin next year, do you think that John Tavares will be a center Will be a winger, or are we going to see flux with him? Like, what do you think will happen there?
1: Probably some flux. I would still say center, just because right now it's really just Austin Matthews at center. Mm-hmm. Like, with O'Reilly, Achari, Camp, even Kerf had played some center. I, I didn't like Kelly on cricket center, so I don't really know if that's an option. I, I would lean no. So I would think he starts at center. I've had issues with, like, his results at center this year were, were actually pretty strong, pretty consistent with other years. Just come playoff time, he hasn't really dominated his minutes. Like, against Tampa, I, the Matthews line did pretty well. But the middle six, mm-hmm. like, with Tavares O'Reilly, you expect them to be up on, like, their – the Tampa's middle six, and they just didn't. And – even against Florida, like you'd expect them to, to win that match against Florida's middle six, and they just didn't. So I, I think eventually Tavares is, is probably going to move the wing. I, I would guess he's mostly center this year, given the lack of options. But if you could go out and get two centers, that'd be ideal. Uh, easier said than done, I think. Unfortunately, the least needs centers and right-shot defensemen. They're, they're the hardest positions to get, it seems. But I do wonder, like I do think one way or another, they need someone who can play top competition playoff time like we saw O'Reilly do it we saw David Camp the year before they need some sort of two-way center behind them either way that they could take those minutes because I don't see Tavares taking playing top lines and sometimes you don't want Matthews in that matchup either depending on who you're playing like if it's Bergeron he's back or if it's a Barkov like a a Selke contender I don't know if you want Matthews out there in those minutes so it would be nice to get like a good two-way center one way or another whether Tavares is at on the winger at center. I'm just guessing more center than wing.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Joe.
0: Obviously. Yeah. And like if they bring O'Reilly back, what contract are you comfortable with him signing? Max comfortable.
1: Yeah. I, I would try to go like a big one year deal just because they have the space. I don't know if he's going to take that. That's a good idea. Anything longer term, like you got to kind of plan like what's going on with Neilander, what's going on with Brody. So I think if, even if Brody walks, you need like a five million dollar defenseman there to to take his place. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just tough after this year where you have you know Matthews getting a raise. I, I think the real question there is like, are you moving Nylander? Because if you're gonna go cheaper on Nylander's spot, maybe O'Reilly makes more sense. I just it's it's tough to commit any term to O'Reilly unless it's a huge hometown discount because. You need every penny you can get. It seems once once Matthews' extension kicks in, and once you have to pay Neilander. So there's that one year between when like that first year Matthew signs and one year until Tavares is a free agent and takes less. So I, I, it's that one year is going to be the, the tough one there.
2: Yeah, and uh, so if if O'Reilly signs, uh, I, is that I guess you're we're assuming that John Tavares will play more winger in that scenario because I. Like, again, I, I like the three centers that we rolled with in the playoffs, but the biggest issue, and I think it was covered by everyone, was just simply the lack of foot speed. Matthews, obviously, he's not slow, but he's not the most fleet of foot. That's not the biggest strength in his game. He's He can skate, but it's not it's not his biggest strength. And then John Tavares and Ryan O'Reilly are obviously on the wrong side of 30 and are just going to probably be getting slower as they go on. And we know that John Tavares, that's arguably the weakest point of his game is his skating ability. Other than that, he's been physically dominant, which is massive. But again, it's the, it's the speed. So I'm, I'm a little worried do you think like we Taveras on the wing would be that uh the answer there with O'Reilly is that uh is that an option and did you like when they played together uh when it was O'Reilly and Tavares is that like a or would you split those two up like how how would you how would you kind of structure the roster if that's the case cuz in my mind when you build a roster you kind of put pieces as you go and uh Tavares and Ryan O'Reilly would be like the first pieces you put in for me after the top line
1: I think it depends who your other center option is like I kind of wanted to see a Chariot center in the playoffs with Tavares on the wing, but... It's not a bad idea. I just don't know who the center is going to be. And if you can get, like, a borderline top six center, then, like, you almost need two centers, like O'Reilly plus another one, in order mm-hmm. for to, mm-hmm. to move Tavares to the wing. Because, you know, I don't want to see Camp Holmberg or something like that as as the two bottom six centers. I'd rather okay. go... I'd rather go Tavares as the third-line center or Riley as the third-line center, whoever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Um, But they do seem to need someone who can play top competition and take tough minutes. And then maybe Tavares becomes like a a sheltered third-line center. I think that's ideal if he sticks at center. Ideally wing, but because you need two centers to make that kind of justified, it's going to be hard to find two centers, I guess, that that are good Mm -hmm. enough to, to push him to the wing. But I think that's the... That would be the ultimate goal is is Tavares is a winger who can move to center if there's an injury.
2: Yeah, that's a good
0: point. I mean, like, yeah, as you mentioned, there would be a second and a third-line center, and obviously you want a quality third-line center. Like, David Camp was was a decent center, but he was closer to a fourth-line center. You wouldn't want that sort of quality in the three-hole. Do you think it's safe to assume that Holmberg kind of has the leg up, we'll call it, on the fourth line center position for next season.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think you can get someone cheap too, to kind of compete for that role with him. Mm-hmm. But I think he'll be the fourth line center. Like it sounds like camp might get a bit of a raise. Like I'd be pretty hesitant to give him term mm-hmm. at, at a higher number. Um, I, I think, I think it's Holmberg. And I think maybe they find someone to to compete with him in, in training camp and they see who wins the job, but you can always get a fourth-line center at the deadline, so that's not the biggest concern if it doesn't mm-hmm. work out. But I thought he was fine in his, in his NHL minutes. I think he's, he's ready for that. Um, you know, if they have a iffy fourth line for the start of the season, it's okay. It's just I, I think you need to kind of spend some resources to get at least one center, like whether it's a high-end third-line center or a low-end second-line center. I, I, I do think that there's a pretty big need there.
2: Yeah, it's ironic because yeah. the way this the way this whole team started, or not team, but like the this era started was that we are stacked down <laughs> the middle and now it's gotten to the point where it's like we yeah. need centers bad. Um so I'm just gonna quickly go rapid fire here for resigning UFAs. We touched on Ryan O'Reilly a bit, we touched on David Camp a bit. Um just uh give me yes or no. And if you want to give like a quick little splurge on why or why not, you can. You don't have to though. So obviously it sounds like Nolachari is closer to a yes. Your thoughts on re signing Nolachari as a UFA?
1: Yeah, especially if it's one year, like one year, because of that cap space, I'm I'm in on our players, or they got to be easy to move after a year, where it's like mm-hmm. no trade protection. So I, I like the I think he could actually be a fourth line center yep. or move to the wing. So I'm in on a Chari, and it's nice to add a little bit of physicality for for cheap and a guy that can play center. So if it's like under two million, I think I'm in on a I think the terms the question there for me.
2: Okay, fair enough. And then next guy I got is Kerfoot.
1: I think he's probably going to get too much. Like, I take any player back at the right price. I just think I don't want him back at the same price. And I think yeah. he's going to get the same price. So, and I think he'll get term as well. Yeah, I think he'll get about three and yeah. a half. And I think he'll get term. Like, I think he's going to get a similar deal. Maybe three, three by three or something. Three yeah.
2: Joe, three Joe, would you take him at that or no? Three by three?
0: No, I wouldn't say so because he's a, like, I don't know. He's a useful bottom six player, like can play the wing, like in a pinch, we'll call it, can play center. I would not call him center, can kill penalties, um, cannot finish for the life of him, provides a little bit of speed in terms of, like he was, in Cam tracking data, he was pretty decent at transporting the puck up the ice. Unfortunately, he crossed the blue line and it was like a spell went over him and he didn't know where he was. But, yeah, for th- for that bottom six kind of value, I-, I think three is too much. I would say closer to... Closer to kind of what Evan Rodriguez got this year. Like, two-ish. Yeah. Be more comfortable. I think um, he'll get
1: more. I think he'll get yeah. over three, though. Like, I-, I just don't think he'll be back for that reason. Um, yeah. But, and, yeah. right, if he's under three, I'd at least consider it. But that's the term, right? Like, I'd rather go a higher end player and then try to replace Kerfoot for with some sort of bargain signing. That's, I think that's the play.
2: And on top of that, like if you look at the free agents that are available for forwards, it feels like it's a thin year. Maybe I'm just, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's cause we need have so many holes to fill. That's why I'm feeling that. So um, yeah, I could easily see him being pushed like to that three. He's team, a team will give him to him for sure. I mean, we just saw Athens say you signed for like two by four and a half, whatever it was. So um, yeah. we've seen crazier deals out there. Uh, moving on from Kerfoot, uh, Zach Aston Reese, would you guys bring him back on that league men one year deal? Did you like him as a leaf or was he like a little too slow, Kevin?
1: He's fine, but I, I kind of want a little bit more offense. Yeah. Um, ideally, like he's, he's kind of a 13th forward mm-hmm. and I'd rather, I'd rather just get 13 forwards that you don't have any commitment to, right? Like, Someone that you're not scared to just say if it's not working, or we're, we're gonna wait on, we're gonna put him in a minors. I I would move on. I would try to find someone else. I don't. I didn't mind him, but I think you can do a little bit better there.
2: Joe.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, eight ninety four. Um, honestly, like I know it's the shiny new. T- maybe it's the shiny new toy kind of syndrome, or the the mystery box. We. The bo- A boat's a boat, but the mystery box could be anything. But, like, I would like to see Bobby McMahon get more of an opportunity versus Zach Aston Reese because we know what Zach Aston Reese is. Bobby McMahon, although only two years younger, has kind of – has like, he's been a late bloomer. And he, he has shown some things that Bobby McMahon – has shown some things that Zach Aston Reese cannot do that I would like to – maybe see, see what he can do in that spot. So 890 would be rich, maybe 750. Take a little bit off for yeah. at one year.
2: That'd be like a day two signing for me. If that's the case, like if, if we like we're looking day for someone, we three. need someone to fill the hole day three even. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Moving on to the last guy, save the best for last Michael Bunting guys. What is, what is he going to get? Number one, number two, would you bring him back at the number you're expecting him to get in free agency? Kevin, I'll start with you.
1: I think he's gonna get like five million.
2: I think that's fair. Yeah.
1: I don't know. Like with the term, I I don't think there's. I wouldn't bring him back. I, I'm not a big Bunting fan. Um, I just don't think he's good enough two way. Like I, I never liked his defensive play. He's fine. Just I don't. As I said, like they're right now. You just look at their winger situation. I think they have basically seven out of their eight wingers. I would say in their opening night lineup, eight of eight if Tavares hits to the wing. So I just don't see them spending money on the wing. I think they kind of replace him with Nyes and 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 he'll get his big payday elsewhere. I'm expecting him to get way too much money. I I don't think his next deal is going to be a a good deal is, is my guess. I, I'd be pretty scared of signing him if I was another team.
2: Yeah. Uh, Joe, go ahead.
0: Yeah. I mean, like the points dropped from 63 to 49 uh, from last year to this year. You mentioned the the defensive game. I mean, after the first year when he was playing with Matthews and Marner, it seemed like oh like yeah, he's, his defensive numbers seemed pretty good whatever, but like it became very very obvious to me that there is a big deficiency in terms of the defensive game when he was put with Nylander and Tavares. Like that's the issue with with some of the numbers. Like you have to remember there's five guys on the ice. There are five other guys that are going to or sorry, there's five total guys on the ice. There are four other guys that are going to also impact your defensive numbers, right? So when you switch from Matthews Marner to Tavares Nylander, those uh, two guys that I, I think it was, they like to chase the puck more um, as opposed to play high in the offensive zone. So that's where it really killed them, And it really showed that, okay, maybe the, the defensive guy game is kind of lacking on him. In, in free agency, I'm going to go the opposite way. I don't think it's going to go as high as what what people think. I mean, he does bring a little bit of peskiness, yes. But over the last two years, was really from Matthews Marner. I think GMs are not as dumb as we think in terms of that. But I, I could knows?
2: see, I could see a GM. But I mean, like, listen, I, Frank Cervelli's not gospel. But like, he did his little whatever article it was of the Daily Faceoff uh, staff, and they mentioned five. I think it was five by five for Michael Bunting, and it was like. 750 less than Bertuzzi, yeah, yeah. and and I mean like if you're a team that's yeah, in on Bertuzzi, you miss, to miss out on Bertuzzi. I mean, I think Michael Bunting is like the per- like for a a GM that wants to make a splash. I think Bunting's like the perfect guy to to do that for that GM. Again, like Kevin Kevin, like you said, I, I'm off on him. I would not recommend signing him. So, uh, yeah, there's that. So I guess we've established our UFAs that we would re-sign, and it's mostly just Achari and O'Reilly. Um, but I mean, we we touched on the Cs, the centers a little bit. Is there anyone on the trade market that you're looking at center-wise um, that the Leafs could be in on? I know Pierre-Luc Dubois has been talking about him uh, wanting to be traded, but, I mean, the likelihood of him coming here might be low just because he like a, a, a was a Habs fan growing up. Maybe he would just be like, F Toronto, I would never play there. But, like, is, is there a player like Pierre-Luc Dubois or do you think the Leafs should go after Pierre-Luc Dubois or someone like him?
1: I think they go down the list. So I think Dubois is probably the best one that gets moved. Um yeah. I mean, I guess they could start with O'Reilly. Like they probably already have a sense of what, what the cost is and if they want to do that. I'm I'm guessing that O'Reilly's not back. And then with Dubois, I think the fit makes sense. Of course, like I think if you're making that trade, he's gotta come with an extension. But mm-hmm. he's just a younger player and you're kind of paying for all prime years and you need a second line center if not this year or the next. Um obviously like what I do think that you might get a bit of a deal on him just because everyone knows Winnipeg is going to trade him. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering he, if he would take a bit less, just considering he hasn't really ha- been in his favorite spots um, so far in his career. But I, I guess the, the question is with him, is like, is what's he signing for? Obviously, I think it's always the big one, but then does he even want to play in Toronto? Yeah. Um, so if you have that commitment, if he does want to play, I think it's a fit, just because they need a, a top six center eventually. And then... You kind of go down the list, but the list kind of drops off pretty quickly. Like, especially the unrestricted free agents, like JT Comfer, I don't mind him, but you know, as a free agent center, those could be bidding words. I think Colorado can also use him back. So I wouldn't be surprised there. Like, an Eric Halla, I know as a free agent, but there's not too many exciting players at center uh, in terms of free agents. So, and, and then even if you're going the trade, route you're probably looking at more of a third line center like i really like ryan mcleod for example as a a third line center but again they don't have to trade them so uh it's tough to kind of centers and right shot defense unfortunately like a you don't know who's going to get moved and b if they do get moved it could be a a complete fortune so i do think they'll kind of aim high and then kind of go down the list and, and find the best guy possible
2: one name that I had kind of circled on my, on my list for free agents was Evan Rodriguez, who, I mean, didn't have, I don't want to say didn't have the best year in Colorado, because I think he was, he did a lot more than he was asked of, especially considering all the injury, okay. injuries he had to deal, or sorry, the injuries that Colorado had to deal with him playing in that elevated role. Is that someone you could see slide in as a center that might get you a little more excited than the other names uh, you mentioned? Or
1: I've seen him mostly on the wing. Like, I like him on the wing for sure. I don't know about him at center, especially if it's going to be a role where you're expecting him to go up against top lines. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a decent amount, I guess, from the trade route, like in the trade market, like a lot of guys, like it depends on how much is being retained and do you need a third team to retain? Uh, Adam Henrique has one year left and he played wing mostly this year, but Anaheim, I think would retain or get a team to retain. They just have so many centers coming, uh, especially if they want to play Zekers there guessing they're going to draft a center um i think you also like another guy I like cheap is isaac lundestrom is like like more of like a low-end third line center just to give him a shot uh i think peugeot and and the islanders it's five million it's a bit much but yeah. you know they just got Horvat, so they have too many centers now wendberg and seattle like that's just one year i think so that could kind of make sense uh given the least cap situation but there's not like a ton of I guess there never is like there's never a ton of, of top six centers just sitting out there um if you do move someone like Nylander I, I think you're looking for a center ideally just because it's such an area of need for the Leafs and it's just so hard to find a, a top six center
0: yeah exactly I mean just I've been looking through the list there are there are not many. I mean, like, do you consider Max Domi a center? I would not really. I think he's much, much better on the wing. Like, Ivan Barbashev is someone, someone that people are going to bring up, but he just doesn't play center. <laughs> he's another one. But you you, mentioned you also need him. someone.
1: You need someone, I to guess, top competition too. That's the hard part. Like, mm-hmm. the guy like Domi or Barbashev, they're probably taking sheltered minutes. I think you want Tavares taking shelter minutes if he's at center. So it's yeah, it's a small group of players that can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I mean, for sure. There was you mentioned Adam Henrique. I I just don't I don't like the foot speed with him. His finishing ability is great, but I think he's more of a uh, a Troy Terry product, in my opinion. I think they would if you run. If you're running Matthews, Tavares, Henrique up the middle, it's it's going to be a little too too slow. But then again, like what the hell is the other? He too. This, like,
1: I think Henrique was good in his prime. Yeah. It's he, just how how close is yeah. he to his prime? Is I guess the question there. Maybe Wenberg because yeah. Seattle has Beniers They have Yanni Gord. They have Shane Wright coming.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, geeky, that's
0: a, it's that's a that's a good point, though. Yeah,
1: he he'd be okay for one year at his cap it, um, but after that, I like I like Ryan McLeod. I just I just don't know if the Oilers will move him and for what.
2: I mean, yeah, you know, uh, he's a great Mike player.
1: I <laughs> go Ryan. Ryan's just the better player, and I think Lundestrom mm-hmm. I like Lundstrom, but it's not. He's not good enough to be like a, a sure thing. He's more of like a project, take a flyer on him, see what happens. I, I do think the ducks have too many centers. Not that you can like obviously guys can play the wing. Seattle's one and and mm-hmm. Edmonton with their cap situation, maybe you can get McLeod if you if you and the Islanders too. The Islanders have I think too many centers unless you're gonna play Barcelona in the wing again.
2: Yeah, you just you put together a couple teams that are gonna have to do homework on kind of take a look at their center position, cap, cap position, and see if uh, we can pinpoint some potential trade targets for the least here. Moving off from the centers though, because I feel like we've kind of touched on everything we wanted to touch on there. Uh, any wingers, I, I know you said our wingers are mostly filled out, but do you think there's any chance like we maybe miss the boat on a couple good centers and uh, in the, in turn, we take a stab at a winger? Like I know trade wise, again, I'm just going to bring up the biggest name, Alex, to bring cat, like, we talked about guys to take one year stabs at like that is probably the best guy to take a stab at for one year, depending on the acquisition cost. Um, but is there any like wingers that stick out to you? And would you take a stab at a guy like to cat for that one year? Again, depending on the price.
1: The Leafs are in a spot where they could, because even with this qualify, like I think DeBrincat's cats going to go a place where he'll- well, he's going to send an extension. So I think it it's sense, probably won't yeah. be Toronto, but if it was just the one year kind of makes sense, they could do the high cap it. Um, I could see like a Corey Perry for the fourth line as, as unpopular as that would be. Like I could see that happen. I like, love that. I I think though I think there's a real chance Nealanners not back. Like that's that's I think the big question for me. Like it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable his next deal where you might be paying him until he's like thirty five, thirty six. And I don't know if the Leafs want to do that necessarily. Like we'll see what the price is. I think everyone has a walkaway point. Like. Eight by 10, people are probably saying no, but eight by nine, less people say no, but some people say no. Eight by eight, more people are saying yes. But it really comes down to what's that going to cost. And if it's too high, I mean, True Living hasn't had too much of an issue paying guys into the mid-30s. He's, he's been fine with that in the past, <laughs> but he has an easier time getting free agents now and getting, getting the people sure. to take a discount. So the one guy I think is Nick Smaltz in Arizona. Yeah. Uh, just because the way his deal is structured. Mm-hmm. I think he's getting paid close to $8 million in actual salary the last three years. He's pretty good. He's not as good as Nylander. He's actually a childhood friends with Nylander, so it'd be cool if they uh, stayed together. And But I think Schmaltz is going to get traded, is my guess, and it's just a matter of where. And a team like Toronto that has the resources to take him on, I think makes a lot of sense, because you get a pretty good discount on yeah. him just because of the way the deal is structured.
2: I mean, five, he makes five, eight, uh, for the next three years. Yeah. During the next three years. I mean, pretty good player, like 58 points in 63 games this year, 59 points, 63 games last year. I think I was, I think I wanted to say you were the guy who started the rumblings with him and then freeze kind of jumped onto it, but I don't know if is that, is that right? I feel like I remember you being early, an early adopter of the schmaltz trade train, um, I'll, yeah. if not, I'm still going to give you the credit. Um. Years ago, I thought they <laughs> yeah. might buy him
1: out like a, a couple of years ago because he's coming off an injury, and mm-hmm. it was the one-third buyout because he was so young, and his deal is like as backloaded as it could possibly be. Yeah. <laughs> so, but the Arizona, even though he's such a good player, I love that line. Like they were running. Oh, Barrett Hayton's another option at center. If if Arizona moves him, I don't mind him. It'd be weird to get a Sue Greyhound now it'd be kind of funny if they got him after all these years um he'd be a fine third line center i think i like it but they go i think clayton keller is outstanding and putting him mm-hmm. with with schmaltz whether it's boyd at center or and i think that's an underrated line i like schmaltz i don't like like him as much as Nealander necessarily but if Nealander is going to be at eight 8.5 and schmaltz is going to be under six you gotta at least think about it um I, I do think if they're planning on moving Nylander or there's a chance, if they're thinking of even keeping him and not re signing him, then you might be able to take on a four with term knowing that Nylander will be off the books. So I think that's really the big question is what's Nylander's asking price? Can you get an extension you like done? Or are you going to have to look at other options? Because if you're looking at other options, like all of a sudden, you need another top six winger, right? So the the list of players. I think you need a transition player because if he's, you need someone with Tavares, mm-hmm. so I, I think it it really open the floodgates kind of open up then if depending on what you're doing with Nylander.
2: Yeah, fair enough. Joe, is there any wingers you target that you're looking at? Anyone you think of or brought up here? I mean, like
0: Bry Guy Keller uh, seemed pretty pissed off about the arena decision in Arizona there. So, and he he was, he was even tweeted, he said, Clayton's not coming to training camp, are you kidding me? He deleted it. So, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Baird Hayton's a really interesting one because last season, I think he had 40 points and like 32 of them came in the last 40 games of the season or something like that. He just turned it right on, which is great to see for a guy that's 2000 born. Um, in terms of other trade cards, it's like, yeah, I think Arizona's... Pretty good one. It's it's very, very funny to me that Kevin's got such a good pulse on all like the last place teams. It's like, yep, because you've watched them so much. I, I do Uh, not envy you at
1: all. (laughs) I find like the top teams like the Leafs aren't traded with Tampa. They're not traded with Boston, so I rule them out. And then Keller is a star. Like I think Keller is. He's. I know people would be frustrated getting another smaller player, but that guy is like, that guy is a star. Uh, Schmaltz is not quite as good, but still a good player. Schmaltz could even you could even try him at center, but again, I think you need a one two-way guy. So, I don't know. Hayton's more of a two-way guy. McLeod's more of a two-way guy. Wenberg is kind of a two-way guy. Peugeot is. There's options, I guess. It's just like, you're not it's not like the free agent market's just loaded with them. So, I, I do think they'll start with centers and but I think the whole offseason starts with the knee ladder, basically. because really? Yeah. That's going yeah. kind to of dictate your term, like what you can do with yeah. any free agent forward.
0: And I I was talking to Jason's brother about this in Calgary over we had a couple beers deep on it. And I was saying, like, what's the value on him? Look at the comparables. Look at Philip Forsberg, what he signed for. Uh, then there was a few others I can't quite remember. But the one thing to also keep in the back of your head, what happened? During Nylander's post-entry-level contract uh, contract discussions, we'll call it. He waited right up until the last, last minute to sign that thing. So, like, is he going to sign this offseason? Is he going to wait and see how much the cap goes up? I mean, this is a confident guy that likes to bet on himself. Does he love playing in Toronto enough to sign early? That's that's also something I I'm not overly confident that he does, and it it, it is worrisome.
1: I, I think you're gonna. I think they're gonna f- try to find out. Like it's yeah. basically mm-hmm. like extend or or you, I don't know if they can let him walk for nothing or not. know. I mm-hmm. think it's gonna be. I think they're gonna kind of force his hand in this offseason and say, "What's the price? We're either doing it or we're moving you." That's my guess. I, I just I think there's a decent chance he's traded. Probably like thirty five percent. Like one. But when I'm I, three, I I think that's fair. Probably be back, but I, again, like he'll be. I think he's his extension starts at 28. He'll be 29 in year one of the playoffs. So if it's a seven-year deal, you know you pay him until 36. It's it's not. There's gonna be some iffy years there at the end. I think he'll probably age well, but you know he's it's a good time to trade him. Like he's coming off, I think, 40 goals, a good playoffs. He's got value. Obviously, it'd be tough to replace him next year, and you're trying to win a cup next year, but I, I do think they'll at least explore the market and, and figure out... I mean, if he's going to ask for like $10 million a year or something, you almost have to move them.
0: Yeah. 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 Yep.
1: I don't know. And I, as we I'm...
0: dig more and more into it, like it's, it's an interesting off-season in Leafland, and what a time for... Brad Tree living to be walking into his new job, right?
1: I think it's like I'm pro nylander obviously. Like I, I'm a mm-hmm. fan of the player, but this isn't 23 year old William Nealander now, where there's no downside to his next contract. Like there's there's probably gonna be some downside, but who knows? Like the Gavrikov signing today, you never know. With maybe guys want less terms, they hit the market earlier. That would make more sense. seven eight years i think is where it gets uncomfortable depending on the on the dollar value yeah
0: exactly exactly um jason do you have any other like random forwards you're kind of hawking we'll call it on uh cap friendly
2: no not no one no one yet i still got to do a deeper dive
0: I I like Barbashev, but I think that that number is just going to be way too high. And again, he doesn't have the two-way game to justify a $6.5 million contract or whatever. So I think we'd be out on that. What do you guys think of Max Domi? That's an interesting one for me.
2: I
1: I feel like Dallas will want him back. If not Dallas, and like he likes Chicago. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if he's really a center or the center they're looking for. I don't mind him as a player. It's just I don't see it happening. I, I say it's low odds.
2: Yeah.
1: All right. Um, what about before, this
2: is
0: an off the top, off, off the books one last one. Andreas Athanasiou. He
2: just he signed for, today.
0: I don't think he's getting three mil
2: again. Didn't he sign today? Today? Yeah, yeah he signed. He just signed. Yeah, he signed like literally two hours ago. And he got more than three. He got like he got, four. Yeah, to he, got four, he got four. seven. I think he, he got was. a Chicago tax <laughs> on that one. <laughs> yeah, friendly is not uh, updated. Yeah, it, I, I feel so stupid. I don't know. So now it's not... It's fine. <laughs> I, I forced it's I forced too you too to much 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 rush to deep deep dinner deep to make deep this deep oh uh, interview. <laughs> uh, before we head out here, uh, I just want one question. We touched a lot on Nylander, and I wanna I just want to kind of extrapolate a little bit more from your brain on it. Is there you mentioned like a um, a short-term deal. What number could you see us signing Nylander at for the short term? What would the term be? And then, what number are you would be like the high end of most palatable to sign Nylander for a full eight years?
1: The full eight is is scary. I mean, it's the cap going up is going to be. It's, it's it's hard to figure out on, on top of my head the the differences. Like mm-hmm. I I think they're going to be up in the in the nineties pretty quickly uh, in terms of the cap. I think eight by eight is, it, for me, is even a bit uncomfortable. But with the cap going up, maybe that's fine. You kind of, I mean, he's got a lot of good years left. Yeah. But I, I, think, it, I think the Nylander thing is almost the, you kind of have to be looking at both at once. Like, what's the trade offer? Like, the best trade offer? And what's, what's the lowest price you can get him at? And just weigh the two. Because it's so difficult to figure out what he'd return in a trade just because it's one year of him. Um, there's only so much teams to give up for a rental, but if you do if you do maybe work out a, a some sort of sign and trade, maybe the the value's higher. It's just you know if his price is through the roof, then there's not much value on those extra years, right? So I think he's the most complicated one. I think they're I think they're fully committed to signing Matthews. I think the big question this offseason is is Nylander. what's the price, what's the trade offers? what's the alternative? Like, I think Nick Schmaltz is, is probably the alternative Neilander goes. I think you see Schmaltz there. That'd, that'd be my guess just based on Schmaltz's contract structure. But I don't think you're just making that change. It's it's just if you're getting a big offer for Nylander that makes sense and you don't like the price for the extension, you go from there. I, I think 8 by 8s even, like maybe 7 by 8 would be better. But it's, it's going to be so hard to evaluate contracts for a bit because the cap skyrocketing, right? So,
2: Yeah, well, we're being told it is, right? We don't know for sure. You always got to be wary of...
1: A year from now, well. A year from now, well. I just...
2: I don't believe anything Gary Bettman says as wild as that. It's like, you just never know, but...
1: Well, once escrow's paid off, then it's just... Like, it should be 50% of uh, Mm hockey-related revenue. Once escrow's paid off, which it will be this year, there shouldn't be any... There's still always a little bit of leeway, but it'll jump i think i think they're going to go up more than a million this year that's my guess but uh, we'll i mean see. for us
2: if we could get that that'd be amazing <laughs> like that's just better for us but yeah yeah
1: i think so I, it makes no sense to go one million and then like 10 million i think it's going to be like three and five or something yeah but makes sense. It, it's it's hard to uh, figure out what the cap's going to be a is is well worth the money i think because he's probably got all the uh, the spreadsheets mapped out of, of all the different scenarios. So unfortunately I haven't gone that deep down. It's tough to like know the comparables, but it is going to skyrocket. And then, you know, 8 million becomes the new 7 million type of thing. That's true.
0: That's yeah. true.
2: All right. I think- um,
0: yeah. Any other thoughts, Jason?
2: I think that's it for me. Kevin, thanks again for coming on. really appreciate it. Before we go, I'm just going to quickly co- plug, excuse me, your Twitter at Papetti, spelled K, obviously. P-A-P-E-T-T-I. For those listening on audio, please go give them a follow. Uh, good follow, great trade predictions, and just great coverage of the Leafs. One thing that we didn't get to touch on before we brought you in and something I, I've been wanting to say to you is that I really appreciate uh, your sense of reason when it comes to the Maple Leafs because it feels like there's a spectrum uh, that Leafs fans are on and it always feels like the conversations are between the two polar sides of the spectrums of either, I love this team. Don't touch anything. And I, I, not I hate this team, but like trade everyone too soft, that kind of thing. And I always find you're like the the source of reason in the middle. So I just appreciate you as a, a voice on Leafs Twitter. So thanks for coming on we really appreciate it.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'll have to talk Leafs soon. Hopefully there's some uh, more playoff success in the near future. <laughs> because I'm getting tired of all these uh, first round exits we are getting pretty good at that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Well, we got an
0: extra five games this year, right? So. Yeah. A little bit. Anyways, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks, Kevin, for coming on.
2: Go, go.